Hello Church, uh, hello McGeehan, uh, Church of the Nazarene. It's lovely to be sharing God's Word with you this morning. Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Ruth Turner and I am the pastor of the Millbrook Church of the Nazarene. And I am so delighted and privileged to be sharing with you today. Before we come to God's Word, let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you are good and you are mighty. You are in all and through all. You are above all things. And Lord, even though you are above all things, you are right here. You are right here with us and beside us, leading us and guiding us every day. Father, as we come to your word, I just pray for those who really need to hear from you today. Lord, may you refresh and restore. Lord, may you challenge us and convict us where that needs to happen too. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting. Lord, I pray that you would bring them healing. I pray, Lord, for those that are grieving, that you would bring them your comfort. I pray for, Lord, those that are rejoicing, that all glory would go to, would go to you. And Lord, as we do, quieten our hearts before you and we come to your word. Lord, we give you permission to speak to us. Lord, I give you permission to speak to me today. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the prayer of each of us that hear this sermon. That each of us would give you, the Lord God Almighty, permission to speak into our hearts. To challenge us, Lord to move us, and Lord, may we be just willing to respond. We pray all these things in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your phones or whatever way you follow scripture these days, you can turn, you can flick or click to uh, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to take up our reading from today. Uh, Luke chapter 7, I'm reading from the New Living Translation and I'm starting at verse 36. <laughs> I couldn't see there. Verse 36, if you have your Bibles with you. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to his house for dinner, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had, invited the, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what sort of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay. So he forgave both their debts. Now which of them loved him more? 
Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt, the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time she has entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her love is great, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And we pray that the Lord would bless the reading of his word. There is just so much in this passage of scripture. There's just so much going on here. Jesus is at Simon's house. Simon is a Pharisee. The Pharisees don't like Jesus. How did he end up, up at his house? Well, it's very unlikely that Jesus was the revered dinner guest. It's more likely that Jesus was the entertainment, the after dinner speaker. What would happen in those days is the Pharisees and those who, who really had public influence would have events in their home, in the courtyard, but in front of their house. And they would invite people around for meals and they would invite a special guest like a like a really important rabbi or even a controversial teacher or, or someone who was just kind of like a local celebrity and they would invite them to their house and they would be in their courtyard and the courtyard would be open so everybody walking past would say oh, did you hear who was at Simon's house tonight and then the person after dinner would get a chance to speak or, or entertain the guests or tell them their new idea or their new theory. And that's very much the way it was in those days. Jesus was more of a, an after dinner speaker than a revered guest because if he had have been a revered guest, he would have been greeted with a kiss. He would have had oil poured on his head. He would have had water to wash his feet. I don't know how it happened, but it's the way gossip goes, isn't it? Somebody's walking past and they're pretending not to be interested, but they just look round the gate and they say, oh, Jesus is there tonight. And, and they pretend not to be interested, but they say to somebody else, uh, look, not that I care, but did you see who was there? Jesus was at Simon's house and the word goes round the neighborhood and the local community and everybody who's everybody who's anybody is already there but word gets to a woman a woman that nobody nobody would invite for tea a woman that would only be in houses secretly when no one else knew everybody knew she was a sinner everybody knew that she got it wrong Everybody in the whole town talked about her. They knew that she was the worst sinner they had ever met. She gate crashes the party. And as she gate crashes the party, not only does she just sneak in and watch things from a distance, she creates this scene. Simon is appalled. She goes over to Jesus, who's reclining at the table, 
Now I know we think about sitting at the table for dinner, but actually they, they reclined at a, at a low table. They leaned on their left elbow and ate with their, their right hand and their feet would be out behind them as they're lying down. This woman is standing at Jesus' feet and she loosens her hair. Well, if she had have had a husband, which she didn't, if she had had a husband, this loosening of her hair in public would have been enough to divorce her. But she does it anyway. And she begins to weep and cry and her tears pour over the feet of Jesus and she begins to wash his feet with her tears. Then she takes her hair and she dries his feet. She takes this expensive alabaster perfume, this alabaster jar, and she opens it up and the smell of the perfume fills the air. She knows what type of woman she is. She knows what a sinner she is. And now she comes to Jesus, completely humbling herself at her, his feet and asks for forgiveness. Simon on the other hand, he also knows what sort of woman she is. And she says, and he says into himself, if Jesus was some sort of prophet, he would know, he would know what sort of woman this is and he would shoo her away. But instead, he lets this ridiculous spectacle continue in my house. She's weeping all over his feet. She's let her hair down. What a disgrace. And then she opens this alabaster jar and the smell of the perfume is so overwhelming that everybody is looking round to see. And although he didn't say it, Jesus knew what Simon was thinking and so he answered his thoughts with a story. He said, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Yes, Lord, talk away, Simon says. There are two men. One owes 3,500 pounds roughly and one owes 35,000 pounds just roughly. They owe it to a money lender. Neither of the men can pay. They don't have enough money. And the money lender comes along and looks at these two men. He realises that they can't pay back what they owe and he forgives their debt. Now that would have been something that wouldn't really have happened that often. So Jesus says to Simon, who do you think loves the money lender more? And Simon says, well, the one who had a greater debt. Don't you see it, Simon? Don't you see it? This woman has carried a great debt of sin and now she has been forgiven. Is it any wonder she loves me. This is a story of God's mercy. It's definitely a story that Jesus shows the mercy that he shows on everyone. But it's also a story about sin. And, and I know we don't really like to talk about those things, but it is a story about sin nonetheless. nonetheless. This woman who is completely burdened by her sin and Simon who has sin as well, but refuses to see it. Both of them standing in the presence of the Saviour, both of them standing before Jesus, who can forgive their sin. 
would you mind if I talked a little bit about sin today? Now, I know it's not appropriate for a guest speaker to speak about sin. It's really kind of rude of me to do it at all because I know the people at McGeehan <laughs> never sin. But here's the thing, I know that I do. I know that I get it wrong. And I know that sometimes sin can creep into my life and into everybody's life. And this is a story that shows the beauty of mercy over the graveness of sin. There was a really old writer in the 17th century, his name is John Owens, and here's what he said about sin. He who thinks that sin is slight has never seen God as great. I love that because sometimes we just need to realise that God is so good. It's only when we're standing in the mess of who we are sometimes that we really acknowledge that. Isn't it good that Jesus sets this woman free and he sets us free too? I'm going to talk about sin, but I'm going to refer to it as frogs. We're going to use an analogy and we're going to say that sin is like frogs because that's going to make it easier for me to talk to you about sin and it might make it easier to hear. I'm going to talk a little bit about sin, but we're going to use it like it's a frog. My very first job was in a nursing home in Belfast. There was a woman that I worked with was amazing. I just loved working with her. She was a great storyteller. And, and every time something happened, she would say, where do you hear what happened to me today? And we'd all just look, we'd all just sit around and listen to her because whatever happened, it always happened to her. And she always had something really funny to tell us. She was telling us about her sister-in-law. Now, her sister-in-law was a little bit like me and her ankles and her calf muscles were slightly bigger than what they should have been, probably along with the rest of me. But her sister-in-law really, really wanted a pair of knee-high brown suede boots. She couldn't get them for love nor money because the Lord bless her, like myself, her calves were just too big and she looked for years for these pair of brown suede boots knee high and she couldn't get them anywhere and she'd always say to my friend if you're in the town and you see them and you think they'll fit me let me know because I'd love to buy them and you're never going to believe this one day she phoned my friend and said I have got them I have found a pair of knee-high brown suede boots that fit me beautifully and I must say they make my legs look great. She said, sure, come over with me tomorrow. We'll go out for a walk. We'll walk the dogs and you can see how fantastic I look. She was the type of person that did talk a lot. You're probably thinking that about me too. So the two of them are walking down past this park and they're just outside the railings and she's going on and on and on. Do you think these make my ankles look thin? Do you think these suit me? You know, I've been looking for these brown suede boots for years and years and I'm so delighted to get them and they weren't too expensive. I got them in the sale and on and on and on she went with the dog and she had this stick in her hand. I don't know why dog walkers carry sticks, but it's something that happens I don't have a dog so I don't know and all of a sudden from out of the railings of the park jumps this huge frog right onto her brown suede boots I know how awful I would have been screaming the place down 
So there's this frog on these wonderful brown suede boots and she gets the stick and instead of flicking it off, she starts to hit the frog. Now I have to say, I am not responsible for any injuries to any animals. I am just telling you the story. She hits the frog and instead of the frog jumping off her boots, it sticks to the suede. And there she is beating this frog and all the inside of the frog comes out all down these brown suede boots. And they are completely ruined and absolutely disgusted. She runs home and puts the brown suede knee-high boots in the bin. That frog ruined everything. And isn't that what it's like with sin? That sin ruined everything. God had this amazing plan that he would be our God and we would be his people and he would fellowship with us and the relationship between us and him would be perfect. But we sinned and we let him down. But here's the amazing thing. Even though we got it wrong, even though we sinned and even though we broke that beautiful relationship that God had so perfectly planned for us, in that time in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned because of the temptation of the serpent, God still shows up. And God calls for Adam, where are you? And Adam and Eve come out and they're covered in leaves and, and he knows that something's happened and the serpent's there. And Adam said, she made me do it. And Eve said, the serpent made me do it. And here is God's words. Everything is ruined. The everything is broken because of this sin and God says this. He speaks to the serpent and he said, you may try, you may try and nip at the heels of my creation and my humanity. But someone is coming who is going to crush your head. And there it is, from the very first sin, from man and woman first got it wrong, God says, you may have nipped at their heels, but I have a plan. For those of you that don't know me, I always get very emotional when I'm preaching, so I'm very sorry, but I get so excited at God's plan, don't you? That from our very first time when we let God down, he comes in and he says, I'm going to restore this. I'm going to make it right. And God's plan from the very Garden of Eden, even though Satan wanted to nip at the heels of humanity and break everything up, God said, I'm going to restore this and I've got a plan. And someone is going to come and put an end to sin and death forever. And God's plan from the very beginning in relation to our sin and the restoration of creation was Jesus. From the very first moment we let him down, he calls on Jesus. And he says, Jesus is coming. You've got it wrong, but Jesus is coming. And here in this courtyard, this woman who's got it wrong, who knows that she's a sinner, stands in the presence of Jesus, humbly at his feet, and she says, nothing actually. But her actions let us know this. She is repentant. She's humbling herself at the feet of Jesus. 
and she's seeking his forgiveness. And Jesus says, you are forgiven. You are free. Graham and Andrea and I went on holiday a few years ago and we, we uh, were really fortunate to be able to go to America. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And we went to, uh, to Universal Studios. I don't know if you've ever been, but there is a restaurant, a restaurant there and I think it's called the Toothsome Candy Emporium. Now, I do like a little dessert and uh, this was an amazing place because you could go along and you could see the chocolate desserts being made through the window. They made um, other things, they made meals as well, but that didn't really count burgers and, and all sorts of nice dinners. But really, it was the dessert that looked absolutely amazing. And I said to Graham, I really think you should take me there for dinner. And he said, it's no, Ruth, I think we'll just stick to McDonald's. It's a bit too expensive. And I said, Graham, I will do without for the rest of the two weeks if you just take me there one night. Now, it was probably about two hours of a queue, but they said if we if we sat outside in the, this little gazebo area that we could that we could be seated within an hour, I said, I'll, I'll go with that. I don't care where I sit. I just want to try one of these desserts. It was really posh, actually, because they say, do you have any allergies? And, and then the chef comes out and goes through the menu with you. And I thought, oh, this is a bit out of our league here. So we're sitting at this table, myself and Graham and Andrew, and we're sitting at this table in this lovely gazebo area just outside. We're looking in the window. We can see all these desserts being made. It's really amazing. And Andrew says to me, Mum, he was quite young at the time, there's a wee frog. Now, I thought it was a chocolate frog. Um, because I just thought that that was maybe one of the desserts that they made and they'd stuck it to the window. Um, but then whenever I looked a little closer over to the window from my table, from my seat, and then all I could see was its throat going And I said, Graham, there's a frog. It's a real one. And he said, is it? And I thought to myself, well, he is a man of action there. So I called the waiter over, the waiter over, and his name was Jimmy, and I and he was going to be our server that evening. And Jimmy, I said to Jimmy, Jimmy, there's a frog at my table, and he said, yes, ma'am, it is. And I said, Jimmy, it's me or the frog. Well, you are not going to believe what happened next, because I knew I was not e eating my dinner beside this frog, because I don't really like them. So Jimmy, he gets a paper napkin and goes over to the frog like this. Turns out Jimmy was more terrified of the frog than I was. Well, the frog then, as Jimmy approached it with this paper napkin and tried to, ca to catch it, the frog jumped. And I kid you not, it jumped from the window to the people at the table beside us. Now, everybody then started to scream because the place was packed and as Jimmy went to get it from the next table it jumped into somebody's handbag in front of that and they opened their handbag and then it jumped onto someone's head. By this stage the whole restaurant was standing up, people were screaming and laughing, Jimmy was sweating, I was having the time of my life, Graham was laughing, Andrew was rolling his eyes at me. The whole place was in an uproar as this little frog went from one place to one place to somebody's head to somebody's handbag and then this woman just comes over and rolls her eyes as if we're all Egypts and she comes over and just picks the frog up and puts it out in the grass but here is the thing 
inside. Inside the chef is just preparing our meal. The presence of the frog at my table did not affect how he seasoned the meal. It didn't affect how he cooked the meal. It didn't affect the ingredients of the meal. And in fact, it didn't affect the taste of the meal. What it did affect was my ability to enjoy that meal. And it was me or the frog. And I want to be very careful how I say this. But I want you to know this. That when we make mistakes, that when we sin, it does not affect how God loves us. Just like the chef continued to cook the meal to the best of his ability, even though the frog was there, it didn't affect the food. It affected my ability to enjoy it. And even when we have sin in our lives and we mess things up, it does not affect how God loves us. But it sure affects our ability to enjoy that relationship with him. And I want to be very careful here because I am not telling you that God loves us when we sin so that we can just go and do whatever we want. Or, or well, that's all right then. I'll just live whatever way I want with no regard for that. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is this, that often when we sin, we think that God stops loving us. And, and so here's what we do. We get things wrong and we begin to avoid God's presence. We don't want to talk to him anymore. We feel that we can't worship anymore. We feel like we can't be in his presence. Or, and so we begin to avoid him and we begin to not want to hear from him because we think we're not loved anymore. And so we tend to do more and more of the wrong thing. All the whole time, God is just waiting for us to come into his presence and say, here's what it is, Lord. I've got it wrong. I, I, I need to keep short accounts with you and I've got it wrong and I need your forgiveness. This woman, she knew when she met Jesus that no matter what she'd done, she was still loved. And she humbly comes into his presence and says, I've got it wrong, Lord. Forgive me. And I don't know about you, but often whenever I mess things up, the last person I go to is God instead of the first. People of God, let's keep short accounts with him. Let's come into his presence even when we've got it wrong. Let's ask for his mercy and his forgiveness. And here's the amazing thing, just as Jesus forgave that woman, so God forgives us. I was asked to go to Sunday school camp and um, that's not really something that I would normally do. I am at the stage of my life now where I think if it's not on sweet, please don't invite me. I've done all of those youth weekends and all those things that go with that. And, and uh, I don't like camping and I don't like those things. I am. I'm a little bit spoilt now. But they needed someone to be a nurse. Well, actually, I am a minister, but I'm also a nurse. And they really needed to have a camp nurse there. And I thought, well, I could do that. But I said to them, 
but don't do any, I don't really like nature that much, so please don't do any jokes on me because I won't take it very well. Because one year they put a, a hedgehog in Ruth Clarkson's room and all I could say was, well, if you do that me, I'm just going straight home. So um, there I was, paranoid the whole week that somebody was going to put something in my room. And you'll know the story because we're talking about frogs that that probably happened. But one night I had a knock at the door. Now I was asked to be the camp nurse, so I, I uh, give out medication. I made sure everybody was safe. Did a, a little bit of first aid. I went to first aid training before I went as well. One night, um, w when everybody was kind of sleeping, the door knocked out of my chalet, and I went to the door, and there was this young fella here, and he said, "I am really sick." And I just knew when I looked at him that actually he was really sick and he needed to get to the hospital. So I got a few of the leaders together and we, we got a car together and we got him to the hospital. Now, that's what I was there to do. It's what I'd been called to do. It's what I was supposed to do. I was called there to be the camp nurse. I was being the camp nurse. There was a job to do and I did it. While I was at the hospital, some very kind person had put a frog in my bedroom previously that afternoon and while I was at the hospital that little frog began to jump all over my room. But I didn't know. So Carolyn Wills, who's a great friend of mine and obviously not as terrified of nature as I am, she just gets up, goes into the room picks up the frog and puts it outside. Now, what has that got to do with anything? Well, here's what I think. There will always be frogs and there's always going to be temptation. And there's always going to be that temptation to sin. But when we're close to God, when we're doing what we're called to do, when we're living in his will and is in his plan it's not that frogs don't come it's just that when we're doing what we're supposed to do and when we're closer to him he helps us not to be just as affected by frogs as we could have been that's not to say that we will never get it wrong again it just means that we're close to god doing what we're called to do it doesn't mean to say that we'll never get it wrong, that we'll never need forgiveness again, because we will, because we're human. It's just sometimes when you're in the place where God has called you to be, and the thought of a frog ruining that relationship is not what you want to do. This woman stands in the presence of Jesus, frogs all around. And she has been forgiven much. And here's what I want to remind you and me of today. Let's be the people that God has called us to be. Let's keep short accounts with him. When we get it wrong, when, when, when we make mistakes, when we, when we actually blatantly sin as well. Let's not avoid God because he hasn't stopped loving us. Let's go to him for mercy. Let's come with our repentant hearts. Let's seek his forgiveness.
more encouraging than anything. Let's remember that even in the very first sin in the Garden of Eden, God always had a plan. God always had a plan. And over that very first sin, and in fact to the serpent, to sin itself, God says, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And there he will put an end to the power of sin and the power of hell and the power of death. Isn't it good that God always had a plan? That we don't need to live in the mess that we've created ourselves or, or the mess that has happened to us through, through no fault of our own. God always had a plan for you. Jesus is that plan. Let's be the people that he's called us to be. Let's know that sin is covered with his mercy and his forgiveness. And let's keep short accounts with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good, you are mighty. You love us more than anything and you always had a plan. A plan to restore. A plan to heal. A plan to forgive. A plan to pour out your mercy to remove our sin through the sacrifice of Jesus and to restore that relationship with you so that not only would we be your people and you be our God but that we would be your children and you would be our Father. Help us to keep short accounts with you. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.